You're listening to Paint the Town podcast with your hosts, LA Street Art Gallery resident artist, teacher, and founder of LA Street Art Gallery, James Chen. Town Podcast, episode 73. 73? Wow. <laughs> yeah, man. <laughs> Moving right along, huh? You know, I, I feel like, you know, it's up to you if we want to do more, but we're really getting into a routine of doing this, and it's nice because it's like, it's so much easier. I mean, there's, you know, the drawbacks of the lag and everything like that, but, you know, we were doing three episodes each time we were meeting up before, and now we're doing two a week. So it kind of actually balances out to more episodes for the listener since we're doing it more consistently, actually, you, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And, and plus, I mean, actually the, the last, the, the meeting we just had with, uh, with bandit that went pretty smooth. I didn't have like any lag time on mine on that one. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, and I'm working on getting a few, uh, items of hardware, you know, so we can actually, uh, we're having a virtual party for LA Street Gallery, actually. And I'm just inviting you right now, actually, Teach. So uh, I hope you can. Oh, yeah, man. <laughs> Basically, it's not going to be on Zoom. We're going to be streaming on YouTube, Facebook, Instagram Live. But, you know, we're not going to do it ghetto style. We're going to, we have like a video capture card, high quality audio. And what's going to happen is that uh, Flex is going to do one of his tape murals. And then uh, Mitchell and I are going to be providing the soundtrack for. Uh, for uh, his tape, for the you know his uh, artwork basically. So we're gonna get together. We're gonna do uh, our DJ stuff, and um, we're gonna basically provide the music while he uh, we stream this uh, him doing the tape mural live. So this is a sound check. You know what I mean? Because in dude, the future, shout out to Flex, man. That dude gets down with the tape. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, man. I, and you know what I'm thinking? I don't, I don't know how we're gonna do it, but what I was thinking is that he can use green tape. So it becomes a green screen, and then as he's putting on the uh, the tape, the uh, the green screen shows up. You, you know what I mean? So there's tons of like creative stuff we can do, and I want to get people kind of like used to um, uh, coming to our virtual events. So when we get out of this whole mess and we don't have to, we finally can feel safe. We can actually have some real events, and that would be really cool. You know what I mean? Because after all. Um, I don't know. I mean, art shows are cool, but like I said, man, all the galleries right now, uh, you know, they're, they're, they're in trouble. <laughs> right. Dude, both my galleries that, um, were selling most of my work, uh, closed down. Um, and, uh, you know, even, even Gavin, Gabba gallery, they, they've sold a good amount of my work. They've, they've closed down as well. And, um, <clears throat> dude, I've, I'm actually kind of, <clears throat> shifting things around to where um it's it's just going to be me now you know what i mean it's going to be the teacher gallery um you know i'm not going to have a gallery selling my work for me i'm i'm going to cut out the middleman um and uh you know uh we're not house flipping anymore so basically the money that i'm going to be taking in i'm going to be you know putting some back out on the street but also going to be feeding the kids and helping pay rent um so we're kind of in a transition right now uh, into more of the uh, 
you know, the arts field. Couldn't been, couldn't have picked a worse time to do it. But um, actually, the wife's movie just got a new financier today. Um, oh, that's those awesome! Of you man. Who know uh, my wife is a uh, writer and director, and she um, wrote and directed. Uh, oh, there you go. The cheers. Um, she uh, <coughs> wrote and directed her first film um, that I helped her to, to produce uh, a few years ago. And it actually won some awards, uh, the LA Film Festival and uh, Beverly Hills Film Festival, um, a few other film festivals. And um, so it uh, got her enough um, recognition to do another movie. And so right now, um, that movie was actually in production. And um, the, the producer was wanting to try to get it with uh, certain four actresses that he wanted and wasn't able to get them. And so we were afraid he may be losing interest. And now there's another um, uh, financier producer involved. And um, it's looking like, uh, you know, everything was supposed to run this September. Like in August and September, they were going to film everything in uh, Budapest. Um, but because of the COVID-19, everything pretty much, you know, shut down. And so now they're looking at filming it in the spring of next year. Um, Where are you guys filming that, thinking? In Budapest. Budapest. Uh, Remember we talked Budapest. about Budapest. <laughs> yes. I learned what I know about Budapest from you, my friend. Um, I did not know that it's two cities. Buda that are, Pest. <laughs> yeah, Buda and Pesh, you know. Uh, you're like, you're like, Budapest. <laughs> Budapest. You been that Budapest down there? Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's the American. That's the miracle way of saying it. But yeah, no, yeah. I remember you're saying like, what? Do you think there's a guy? I, I don't have the same exact thought. I was like, do you think there? You know, Buddha went there one day, and uh, there was a guy that was a pest, and uh, <laughs> <laughs> Buddha. Went there with his friend, who uh, you know he was discovering the the religions, and the guy turned into such a pest that he was like, "Look, you go live over there, you go live over there, and I'll live here. Okay, we can hang out every once in a while, but we gotta have some space, you know." And that's how Budapest was formed. Oh, you know what? <laughs> that reminds me, dude. I forgot. I missed the whole punchline that I could have really driven home on my uh, angry axe man or the the dirty hairy hatchet guy yeah yeah uh, tell, the, tell the audience again because not everybody's gonna listen to every single episode you know what i mean so yeah tell the audience again true. what happened to you man because uh this, you know we're having theo on later he's one of my favorite djs man from back in the day but we'll get to that but you know this is normally a, a paint the town podcast we talk about uh, street art and and you know djing so the street art portion of the show uh, initially in the last episode with Bandit Graffiti, Teach had a real cool, crazy story about when he was putting the last piece uh, up in the street. All right, go ahead. Yeah, dude, uh, craziest story in, in all 10 years of my life. Like I said, I've seen knives, I've seen guns and stuff like that. Not coming after me, but, you know, one of my boxes in downtown L.A., so I see this happening in front of me and just keep doing my thing and, and you know, don't pay any mind. But this time it came after me. Um, I, I just done a piece of Hollywood and Highland and, um, I heard this, some dude yelling, Hey, what are you, what are you taking pictures of? What are you taking pictures of? Are you a cop? And, um, I, he was kind of like hidden by the box a little bit. So by the time I, I saw him, 
he was running at me and the dude had a hatchet. He had a fucking hatchet. <laughs> a small so the, axe. A hatchet is like a little hand axe, you know, like, it, and this one was not, it was, it was all metal. It was all metal. It wasn't like a wood one with a little, you know, metal piece on the end. It was like an S-wing, uh, which is E-S-T-W-I-G. I used to, uh, anyway. So it was, it was all metal. The dude was running after me and swinging it. And when I saw that he had a hatchet, it, it, it freaked me out so much that I was like, did I, instead of like running of immediately, course. well, instead of running immediately, I stood there for a second going, is that a fucking hatchet? <laughs> That's a hatchet. And then right about the time I realized that, um, he was swinging at me and I, and I slipped and I mean, he came very close. He may have just been meaning to scare me or whatever, but dude came really fucking close and he kept running after me. So I was running away going, dude, chill out, chill out. I'm taking pictures of the box. And he's like, what are you taking pictures of? Are you a cop? You know, are you a cop and he's swinging the fucking hatchet at me, right? And so... <laughs> he was going like Apache Indian style on you, basically. <laughs> yeah, right. Well, I, I just kept saying, dude, chill out, chill out. I'm, I'm taking pictures of the box. I'm taking pictures of the box. I'm an artist. I'm a fucking artist. And so there was... He actually ran after me, for, but I got a, a 15, 20 yards or so. And then right at the light, the, the light had changed and there was a, a, a white SUV that had come to a stop. And I remember seeing that there was like a, an older black guy that was driving. And so when the, when we got up to there, the dude kind of like, you know, he slowed down and he put the hatchet into his jacket and he's like, let me see your phone. Let me see the pictures. Let me see the pictures. And, um, you know, someone may say, well, why don't you just take off running then? You know, but the dude, I mean, he could have been crazy enough to throw the fucking axe or the axe. You're a big guy me. too, Teach. Okay. I mean, and like, I'm that guy that it would have like gone whack and been like, you know, oh great. You know? <laughs> you know, so I figure, you know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna show him. So I show him the pictures, and he's like, "Let me see them more, more. Let me see more." I'm like, "Look, box, box, box. See, it's box. I'm an artist. I did the I did the artwork on that box." And once the guy finally realized that I was telling him that I'm the artist that did the artwork on the box, you know, I'm taking a picture of the box. Like once he listened to what I was saying, he looked at the, you know, it was like, "Oh wow, man, that's cool." <laughs> and you know put the fist up for a fist bump and so you went from trying to kill bump. you to becoming a I fan mean, of I your uh... you know don't give me a fist bump i'm gonna beat your ass down no i gave him a fist bump and and he and he went right up uh highland avenue now i don't I know if he's homeless... i could just imagine him chasing you you know what i mean and it's like the benny hill Like running around with the axe chasing you, man. Crazy shit that happens in the street, man. Um, oh, and so, yeah, I, I so the, the punchline that I basically should have said was, um, and it was, I, I looked at the, the, the black guy that was driving the SUV, like after the guy who gave me a fist bump and, and walked on up the street. I, I turned around and I looked at the dude and the dude was just like, and I was just like, you know, you know, what are you going to do? Just, you know, a little miscommunication there. And so what I should have said was, Hey, you know, we buried the hatchet. <laughs> you deserve it. Oh, let me get the, let me get the rim shots. Man. Hold on, hold on. <laughs> oh, whatever. Anyways, man. Um, you know what?
That sounds like a boxing ring bell. Uh, that's the doorbell, man. Oh, oh, there's the doorbell. The yeah. first thing I heard was a. That got me up ready for. Put on your red shoes and Welcome to the Hey, how's it going, James? Welcome to the show, man. Thank you so much for joining us. Can you hear me okay? Okay, now I can hear you, yes. Awesome, awesome. Thank you so much for joining us, man. I was just telling Teach that uh, this is my co-host, Teacher. He's hey, a Major. legendary street artist, basically. And now I'm sitting right here with two legends, man. Uh, you know, for me, it's you're one of the most highly respected DJs in my book, man. Thank you. It when when I was a kid going to warehouse parties, man. I mean, you were one of the dudes that if you were spinning, man, I knew that it would be a legit party, man. Okay, because I I know that you're one of the guys that hustles in this career game, and we you know we've yeah. met a few times in passing, we've yeah. done and had some conversations, man. So. Um, you know, I'm just so thankful to have you on the show today, man. Well, I'm thankful for being invited, James. So I appreciate it. And a pleasure to meet you, teacher. Good, Theo. Thank you so much for being on. When I hear the things that I hear my friend uh, James say about you, I, I know that I'm in the presence of greatness because he, you know, you, you got to put your work in for him to speak like he does uh, about you. So uh, I appreciate it. thank you so much for joining us. Um, where are, where are you joining us from? What uh, what city are you in? I am currently in Santa Barbara. Okay, yeah, Santa, Santa Barbara. Barbara. It's kind of fun because you know what? I actually went to college in Santa Barbara too. So we have like a, a you know, and Theo actually just moved back from uh, Hawaii, Hawaii too. You know, and I know Teach goes to Hawaii all the time too. So like I said, we have a lot of things like we have in common here that we have to discuss. And I knew that if I invited Theo on the show we would have a, you know, a lot of good topics of discussion because at the end of the day, the underground world of street art and DJing, yeah. they all blend together, you, you know. So, and teacher, were you at Pow Wow? No, I, um, I have twin uh, nine-year-olds. Oh. So my, um, my abilities to, to travel uh, right now aren't, uh, aren't quite there. I, my son has sensory processing disorder. So in another year or two, he'll be stable enough to where I can make trips and do the powwows and stuff like that. But um, no, um, I, I'm, I'm looking forward to coming and doing the powwow. I was just there back in, um, in March and um, I stayed up on, uh, on Oahu yeah. on, the, on the North Shore to have some friends that I went to high school with. And um, I ended up meeting um, Eddie I. Cal's brother. Uh, oh, nice. Yeah. Um, because the first time I went there was in July of last year with my family and I used to lifeguard in Florida. So that's how right. I found out about Eddie Icow. Yeah. And, um, Eddie so will go. tell the audience Eddie, about Eddie Icow just in case, you know, they don't know who they are. Okay. So Eddie Icow, um, uh, he was a legendary big wave surfer on the, on the, uh, Island of Oahu and, uh, he and his brother, uh, Clyde, they also became uh, legendary lifeguards as well. Um, yeah. They, uh, his brother Clyde, actually won the very first big wave surfing competition that they had in Hawaii, where they allowed Hawaiians to surf in the competition. 
And then uh, actually Clyde also won the very first Eddie Icow Invitational, which is a, a big wave surfing competition yep. that they uh, have after Eddie Icow. And uh, Eddie Icow unfortunately passed away in 1978. Um, he was, uh, while he was lifeguard with his brother, they saved around 500 lives. Um, now, you know, he, I, when I met with Clyde, he actually explained to me that, um, you know, some of those lives were the same people because some of the times they were like military people that were just so drunk, they would go right back in and then go back in and rescue that same person again. Um, but uh, in uh, 1978, there was a big uh, sailboat that um, went from, uh, well, I guess it's uh, Honolulu to Tahiti, and they used nothing but the Polynesian um, forms of, of figuring out where they are. Yeah, so and they just use the stars. And yeah, they use the stars and stuff. Yeah, so what it is is it attracts um, the Polynesian, um, you know, because the people from Hawaii all came from other parts of Polynesia. So, so the idea is to track them or to do the voyage that the first Hawaiians did when they went and migrated to Hawaii. Right. Thank you. Thank you, Theo. This is the stencil um, right here, right, Teach? Well, this this was uh, this is what we're looking at right now on the screen. For those of you who are not um, watching, uh, is uh, from a video that uh, I was at the Eddie I. Cow Foundation House, which is actually on a, uh, a Chinese cemetery. It's where uh, Eddie and his brother and his family also have a brother named Solomon that became a, a lifeguard as well. But they they were allowed to live on the uh, on the um, cemetery and they would take care of the grounds and everything um there's there's clyde right there in the video but um so that was i was spraying a stencil of, of eddie while i was there um but so awesome. i originally did a stencil of eddie when he was younger and i put it up in uh this near haiku village on the uh, on the east side and someone called a cop and the cop came by and arrested me and um <laughs> some other cops came by and they uh it was funny because the, when, the, when the officer pulled up, he was all angry and everything. And, and, but then when he saw who it was, um, I was like, do you know who that is? He goes, yeah, yeah, I know who that is. He's like, that's kind of cool. Um, <laughs> but look, you can't be, you know, who are you? What are you doing here and everything? I'm like, well, we do these boxes. I have a permit to do these in California, and I just wanted to do something nice. You know, I come here vacation with my family. I want to do something nice for Hawaii because I figure people just come here and take. So I want to leave a gift. Get back. Yeah. yeah, and and another cop pulled up, and another cop pulled up because it was on a Sunday, and um, it uh, they all it turned out really nice. They 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 let me go, and they said, you know, it, uh, an investigator may be calling. You may have to come back to court. In the meantime, Clyde, um, I called and left him a message, and he called me back himself. I told him what happened, and he's like, dude, I'll help you take care of that. Don't worry about it. He goes, you want to do some artwork for the Eddie I Cow Foundation. And so that's how I ended up doing the, the stencil you saw me spraying there. Yeah. And I took that there in, in March. And what I realized when I was there at the foundation, there's all this artwork of, of, of Eddie there. And, you know, so I decided to do a, a piece of, um, of Clyde. And so May 4th is, uh, is Eddie Cal's birthday. And so May 3rd, I'm going to go out and I'm going to put up a piece that I did a stencil of him and um, Eddie together. Nice. And I'm gonna reveal that reveal that for his birthday. So that's that's my Hawaii thing. That's why James thinks that I'm like Mr. Hawaii or whatever. But I just somehow I've developed a, a connection, you know, 
Well, I mean, it's, it's easy to develop a connection to a beautiful place with beautiful Oh, my people. gosh, yeah. So you're from uh, Hawaii? No, no, I'm no. from no. West Covina, my hometown, man. Sorry. <laughs> oh, okay. How did so you get from Hawaii? I'm, I'm originally, I do, so I'll tell you the story. So I'm from Los Angeles, born and raised. Um, I grew up in San Gabriel Valley, so I graduated West Covina High School. Yeah. I've lived in Pasadena and San Gabriel Valley for the majority of my life. And I was on vacation in Maui in 2018, um, around October. And I knew I had to, at my current position, I'm uh, a director of IT for my day job. And I knew the company I was currently in was going to fold. So I needed to look for other work. So since we're in Hawaii and, you know, for shits and giggles, I decided to look online and see if there's any positions in Hawaii. Because, you know, anytime you go to Hawaii, you're just like, I wonder what it would be like to live here. <laughs> That's always and, the dream. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and, you know, the, 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 the thought was the chance of me actually getting a job in Hawaii was just, it was not going to happen. Right. Because the whole thing about Hawaii is they don't like to hire mainlanders unless they have to, unless mm. the skill set isn't there. So I applied, I go back home, I get a call a couple of weeks later and they're like, are you still interested in, a, in interviewing? And I'm like, sure, why not? So I said, we're, we're gonna call you back in two weeks and we're gonna set up an interview. So they did. And I interviewed in November. I got the call December 6th and they offered me an offer I couldn't refuse. And I packed up and moved my life on January 13th. Wow. And, it's been <laughs> and, I, wow. and I lived in Hawaii. I lived in, I lived on the east side. I lived uh, in Hawaii Kai. Okay. Uh, yeah. So right by Hanoma Bay. Yes. Yeah. yeah. That beautiful. Yeah, area. that's right. And um, I was the director of IT for Hawaii Health Systems, and um, I was ultimately a missing LA. Um, you were Hawaii is beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> I was missing California. I was missing family. You know, it's it's hard to be you know away from the things you love. I came back in August to DJ at uh, Grand Park over by City Hall. Mm -hmm. And there was just so much love there. And I, I was like, I, I miss that. Um, I was DJing in Hawaii, but you know, I was not, it's not like LA. It's not. The scene is know, different, definitely. It's a lot smaller, which is fine. And I, I, it doesn't bother me at all. And I, I had a lot of fun DJing in Hawaii. I have a lot of good Hawaiian DJ friends now. Um, but it's just, it wasn't where I needed to be at this moment in my life. And um, I'm grateful. I mean, my wife and I got to live in Hawaii for a year. And that's pretty that's awesome. Experience, yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. And I, now, whenever I go back to Oahu, it won't be as um, a, vi a visitor. I'll be like, well, I'm a former resident, you know? Yeah, yeah, definitely. I know I know all the good poke spots. <laughs> <laughs> but, but back to your point, I think I got the job because I could pass for local. Oh. oh. So, and, you know, see, that's why I said, are you from Hawaii? Because exactly. No, because I can go to Hawaii and be like, what's up, brother? How's it? You know, and just. <laughs> and, yeah, I, mean, I mean, you're, you're, you're Filipino, right? Or at I'm, least uh, I'm, I'm, my mom is Puerto Rican and, and Mac my mom's Puerto Rican and my dad is Mexican and Filipino. 
Okay. So okay. basically, that makes an Hawaiian. So <laughs> <laughs> You're right. <laughs> but I mean, I, we both my wife and I love um, Hawaii, and we may retire there. But the the idea was always we wanted to retire on Central Coast. So this opportunity came where in September I was contacted by the University um, of UCSB. Yeah. I went to, yeah, I went to UCSB too, so that's so, Go that's gauchos. so crazy. Yeah, gauchos. <laughs> <laughs> so they, it was the director of client success, still an IT position, just a fancy title for director of operations, basically. And um, I, you know, applied. Um, they interviewed me in September. I'm like thinking, oh, okay, the interview went nice. We'll see what happens. Um, a few weeks came by, and then all of a sudden they wanted another interview in October, and I'm like, okay, well, that went well. What's next? And then they were like, can we fly you out to interview you in person? I'm like, absolutely. So for my birthday in November, they flew me out, and um, I spent all day with them, and I went into my boss's office, who's now my boss, but at that time I was still interviewing. And um, I go into his office, and he has a record player and he has vintage Star Wars toys. And I'm like, so I tell him, I like it. Let's stop, be friends. <laughs> Let's stop fucking around. Where do I sign? <laughs> <laughs> so That's now awesome. I have my own office and I have, I brought in a record player. I brought in Star Wars toys and I have a huge amount work on music on lunch or after work <laughs> that's nice. awesome man i mean Dude. I, I do i imagine you got do you guys play with the star wars toys together <laughs> no that hasn't happened yet but what has be fun. it might be fun you know <laughs> it would be but what, what has happened is we started talking a lot about music yeah 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 definitely so like, i'm a i'm a big vinyl collector too man and right uh, on. hell yeah <clears throat> you, you know um you know i dj as well too um, we've DJed at some of the, uh, I used to DJ back in circus days too, you know, oh, yeah. uh, over there too. So, um, we've shared some of the same clubs, but, uh, you know, one of the things I always really, really respected about you, man, is that you are from the, the vinyl game for electronic music, man, because everybody, when they think electronic music, they think hip hop, uh, you know, and which I, which I love hip hop as well too, but people don't understand that before all this, like, uh, just download the MP3 and everything right. like that. Um, DJs had to carry crates of records into these underground warehouses that All were ske sketchy as fuck. You, you know, you know, you know what yeah, I mean? I mean we, to, we used to have to climb on planes with vinyl and check our records in and get it lost and all kinds of, I mean, I love vinyl and I collect vinyl to this day. I, I buy a lot of vinyl, um, but mainly just to listen to, not to DJ per se. I mean, I have the means to DJ it, and I can, and I still like to DJ it from time to time. But I'm also not one of those people that are stuck in a place of nostalgia. Mm. And, like, you know, there's certain DJs that are like, I'll never go, you know, go away from vinyl. Well, that's great. But, you know, there's people who, who, who've moved on from the corded telephone. <laughs> I think, you know what, in the, in the so, art world, we see that a lot too. Like some people, they get stuck in... <clears throat> one medium basically and they right. don't want to evolve a lot of times because it's like let's just say like you're a dj and you're known like hubert or somebody like that you know what i mean and then yeah. you're 
you're yeah. known for scratching. It's it's definitely hard to um, I, hard to see the advantage of like a CDJ because you have the feel of like a um, uh, like a, a vinyl record. It's a tactile thing. But, but you know? Even someone like Hubert, who stuck with the medium of you know vinyl because he's a, he's a more of a scratch artist mm -hmm. than a, than a real than a you know club DJ kind of thing. Yeah, he he's pushed that as far as he can where mm -hmm. he's creating things that you know he's created his own mixers he's created his own turntables you yeah know, that's you know he, he's taking his meat the medium that he uses it and creating new ways to express himself through that medium which is awesome so even though the medium for him hasn't changed the way he utilizes the medium has definitely changed yeah, definitely. And I love that. And that's why I wanted to also just bring you on at because I mean, if you're talking credibility, man, you know, no one's got a resume like you, you, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> been around the block. <laughs> well, you know, you know what, though? <clears throat> Here's the thing. It's like what you were just saying. Um, you know, there's, there's certain artists that, that find a, a style that everybody likes, and then they just stick with that style. Yes. You know, and, and they make money with it. And that's fine. And, but if a, a true artist to me, like a, a, a true artist, a pure artist is someone that is, is willing to keep going, you yes. know, and, and experimenting and, and, and trying new and, things. And, and will also do that at the risk of being popular. Yeah. Or the risk of success because it's not, the success isn't because it's making you money. The success comes from, you expressing yourself in a way that you is meaningful to you. So yeah. I've always looked at it. There's 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 art as something that you love to do. That's a passion. And then there's art as a product, something to purchase. Um, and exactly. you know, if you want to go down that road and become something that's purchasable, I mean. But I look at things like um, Tokidoki. You know, <laughs> super popular. You know what that uh, is, Teach? I'm just going to pull it up if you don't. Um, it's like no, I do not right off. Okay. I'm, I'm trying to Thank make God. sure I understood <laughs> what you said exactly. Toki what? Toki Doki. So he's an Italian um, street artist who created, oh, okay. yeah, so who created, who lives in Venice, I believe, or in, in the west side somewhere. Um, and he's created a very popular brand of just of this stuff there you go oh okay it's like now, anime kind of but not japanese kind of that's how, yeah, it's, how it, i describe it's, it artists <laughs> inspired by japan yeah mm -hmm. Italian My wife's artists artists inspired by japan. she actually got to meet him in hawaii yeah, he, he was in hawaii for powwow and um she got actually got to meet him and take pictures i don't ex i don't expect it I, what, I, what I was trying to say is I don't expect teacher to uh, uh, follow this Tokidoki brand because this is marketed towards girls mainly. <laughs> mainly. Sure. Sure. Yeah. Well, I just, I'm curious, you know, to, to see what he was talking yeah, about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's definitely so, cool, I mean, you know what I mean? It's cool, but it's also product. Yeah. You know? And that's what it's mainly generated for, is for the product. Can he make right. outstanding art on its own? Yes, but most of his, his, his appeal is because it's a product for purchase. So, you know, it all depends on what you want to do. I've been in the point where I was very well known for playing trans music. 
and um, in the 90s. And I didn't want to play that anymore. I felt mm. a call to do something else. Can I quote somebody? <clears throat> um, sure. There's a DJ, Teach, you probably don't know who he is. Uh, you know, he's one of my respected DJs because I grew up in this era where we all, we just called it trance. We didn't call it anything else, you, you know, because it was the era. Armin Van Buren said, once said, uh, don't be a prisoner of your own style. And um, I totally respect what you're saying, Theo, <clears throat> because uh, to be honest, trance, when you hear the word trance, it, once you're inside the scene, if you're an outsider, you don't understand, um, you know, each specific subgenre, yeah. basically, yeah. too. And uh, I used to work for a, 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 a DJ named Matt Derry, actually. Um, oh, for, for, yeah, Matt, yeah. For, and for then, um, Game Master, right on. Yeah, he, he had the same issue. I mean, he, he would like to consider himself a progressive house DJ, but he was so big in the 90s during this period of time when trance was just dominating the scene that everybody just wanted him to spin trance. And so, uh, you know, it gets, it's like pigeonholing you. It's like, hey, teach, you can only do stencils. Even though you, right. I know you do sculptures, I know you do, you know, billboards, whatever, but you know what? You can only do stencils of, you know, one thing, dogs from now on. Like, you know I mean? Right. It's kind of like, it's kind of like that, you know? So, uh, so go ahead, Theo. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it's, you get, you can easily get trapped in that. Um, that's sound or that, that genre or that, uh, you know, in, in art you can, or that, uh, that, uh, you know, platform. Theo, what, when you were, when you got started, what was, um, who, who did you see, um, like what DJ or whatever did you see that okay. made you want to start doing it? Okay. So my, 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 I started DJing when I was 13. I'm wow. 46 right now. Okay. So that was back in around like 1986, and how I got into it was in my neighborhood in West Covina. There was a um, a lot of DJ crews. You know, there's backyard parties, and you know, there's you know, around the corner there was a DJ. Next door there was a DJ. So it was very common for you know us to like go into someone's garage and start playing records. That was just a thing in my neighborhood. So. I, that's how I grew up. And so I would, you know, ride my bike over to a friend's house and play records. And it was, that, that was the thing. Um, when I graduated, I, so I started DJing house parties and school dances and stuff like that around um, you know, West Covina and the surrounding San Gabriel Valley. And then once I uh, graduated high school, this was, I graduated in 91, um, I went to my first rave. And because I was into the music, I was into the techno music because I got in it through, you know, DJing, just listening to house music and techno like African bombada stuff like that, right? Well, that, yeah, that's the electro stuff. But I was like getting into like um, Lil Lewis and there was a lot of what's called hip house back then, which was a Chicago phenomenon, which is mixed mm -hmm. hip hop and, and house music. Yep. So there's people like Mr. Lee and Doug Lazy. And, and so I really kind of got into house music from that. And um, so I was listening to it. I was listening to techno, but I've never gone to a rave. So we were getting all of our records at the rave record shops over on Melrose. So the, the whole scene was uh, revolved around Melrose at that time. So the whole thing was you go to Melrose, you go to like Street Sounds or DMC or, you know, Vietnam Stop, and you would actually just go and buy records and then pick up all the flyers for the upcoming parties. So one day, me and my friends went to Melrose, went to DMC, bought a bunch of records, went back to my garage, and were like, 
we should just go to a rave tonight. All right. <laughs> so we look at all the flyers and we don't know who anybody is. I don't know who Ron Decor or DJ Dan or anybody who, you know, I don't know who these people are. So, I mean, all we had was we, we looked at all these different flyers and we're like, okay, so which one do we go to? Said sound by the shredder. My, my Theo, can you say that again? Cut out for a second. Like, what, what was the name of okay, uh, the? Sure. No. No, sorry about that. Go ahead. So, so it, on the flyer, it listed um, "Sound by the Shredder." Sound and by the Shredder, like Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> in, in fact, a competing company named themselves Master Splinter later, but whatever. Um, but. Uh, we, he was just, we got to hear what the shredder sounds like. It, it sounds awesome. So we went and ended up going to a map point, paying the $20, going to a limo. Uh, Let in, me just stop the stop so I can explain to the, uh, sure, uh, you know, the, the, the map point, basically. This was my favorite fucking thing about the rave culture. <laughs> right? Okay. And they're kind of bringing it back. And <clears throat> But <clears throat> what it is is that you have the flyer since it's an illegal party which you know i'm very familiar with uh, getting tickets for illegal parties right teach <laughs> i just got one recently <clears throat> but um basically they'll give you a phone number they don't tell you the address since this is a legal party that's not permitted right and then you basically call that phone number and then they will give you there's a recording on the line and it will tell you the directions of how to get to the party basically that's what a map point is and then so you get the location and then you'll, it might be like, see this glow stick and turn left <laughs> you know, in, in the desert. <laughs> you have no idea where the, where the yeah. fuck you're going to end up. You know what I mean? So that's what I loved about these parties because it was always an adventure, an adventure. to yeah. get to these parties. Okay. Sorry. I just wanted to no cut in to explain. Yeah. Yeah. So the map point was at a art gallery in downtown or in actually in Hollywood. And we pick up our tickets. It was at the zero one gallery. Um, right near uh, Pink's over on uh, La Brea and, and we ended up um, getting directions to a limo that was parked outside of the pantry in downtown LA. You knock on the window of the limo and it rolls down and someone gives you a piece of paper. <laughs> and on the piece of paper it said you are going to a Madonna video premiere party. Here are your directions. So basically, it's like if you get busted, it's like, oh yeah, I'm not going to rave. I'm going to do some you know premiere party bullshit. Uh. Yeah. <laughs> so it actually was ended at the Casa. The Casa was a and still is there. It's it's still a club. Um, it's basically an old gym, an old boxing gym that is um, on the corner of Washington and Oak in downtown LA. And we go in and we walk in and my life changed forever that night yes. uh, because I walk in and I see there's a stage to the right of me and the crowd's in front of me. And all I see is just people just going the fuck off, just enjoying themselves. I've never been in this situation before where I've seen DJs control a crowd like that. It was just like, Usually DJing is for weddings and hard backyard parties. I've never seen where it was everyone, all eyes in it were just focused on this DJ. And the crowd was just, 
it was like a puppet and, and, and a puppet master kind of situation. Yeah. But I'm in the crowd. Interesting. By yeah. the way, um, you know, to be honest, same thing, man. When I walked into the, the first uh, underground party, basically, I was like, I want to do that. Yes. Okay. <laughs> exactly. I was just like, how do I do that? Please yeah. somebody tell me. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Like that was my same feeling too. Yeah, because I was already teaching. <laughs> and you know, not to sound like um egotistical, but I felt I could do it better than that guy. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let me just tell both you guys. Like I've I've had that same situation where I walked into a rave and I saw exactly what you're talking about, how like that person right there, he's got like whatever he's got here is doing all these sounds and everybody is just completely tuned into him and like that frequency. On the same wave and everything. Yeah. My feeling was not, I want to be that guy because <laughs> I know there's no fucking way I could do that shit. Okay. But my thing was, I fucking love this. I right. mean, that dude is awesome. Right. It's so interesting, man, because you know, you know what, Theo, it's like, it's funny that you mentioned that because I've actually never talked to anybody about like, oh, when did you decide to become a DJ? But actually, that's a good, very good question from Teach, because I feel like a lot of times, many of us have been doing it for so many years, we don't really reflect on how we kind of got to this point, you know what I mean? So that's awesome that you have when that. someone like is, gets to the level that for, he's for at, me, it's... It, well, it, to me, done? it was always part of who I was. Um, I can go back to even being, you know, in you know grade school and I would carry around a record player. And I recently just bought a, a Fisher Price turntable I like I used to have when I was a kid, just for nostalgic reasons. Um, and, but what I would do, my grandmother would teach Head Start. Um, so she taught um, preschoolers. And I would take my record player after I got a, a like first grade and I would uh, spend the rest of the afternoon with, with my grandmother in her class. And I would take my record player and I would play records for the kids who were younger than me. And so if I think about it, it's like I was DJing back then. <laughs> I was playing records for people. Hell yeah, yeah. man. <clears throat> You know, Absolutely. and then for, I grew up in more of the, like the tape era, I, I guess, you, you know what I mean? Like a little bit um, after. <clears throat> so for me, I was just always, I noticed myself when I look back, I was always that guy making mixtapes for people before. Oh, yeah. It's like, hey man, uh, you know what I mean? Like, uh, you know, I love being that guy people came to, to um, ask, because you know, most people don't want to put time in, before Spotify and all this yeah, yeah, yeah. stuff happened. I mean, people just, they want a CD that they can jam out to in the car. And they don't know what to pick. And, you know, now everybody, uh, you know, you just put in one song and the computer automatically analyzes your well, I mean, It used to be an art form of curation, right? Yeah. It's like, I'm not, you're not going, to, the one thing you always went to a rave for was because you couldn't hear that music anywhere else. Yep. That was the beauty of a rave back in the day was like, you know, you're going to a place where you're not, you're not going to hear that shit on the radio. You're not going to hear that shit being, it's just, you're only going to hear it at a rave and you're only going to hear it by these DJs. So they become your tastemakers. They become the, your curators, you know? So for, for me growing up and, and, you know, seeing these people spend time and you, you, back then you spent time on the weekend, hours going to record stores, digging, finding the songs, 
that you'd want to play out that next weekend. And, you know, that to me is. That's a, a lost art form, man. I mean, yeah, it's, it's, it's totally just, lost now. Now you just go to, you just go to a website and then you yeah. just, uh, but it, it, just it, browse it's, through all the it's tracks. It's lost, but it isn't because, you know, it, if you still can become a curator and find lost gems and find things that no one else is doing or do things that no one else is doing and, and create. So one of the things I'm trying to do now is what I'm calling hybrid DJing. And what that means is it's not just playing other people's music, but it's also adding, you know, live elements to it. So adding loops, adding samples, adding, you know, synthesizers on top of the tracks that are playing. So to make them somewhat unique to yourself. And, yeah. you know, that's one of the things I'm trying to do more now. I think um, technology has really, really just like uh, advanced, obviously. Oh, I mean, yeah, definitely. You know what I mean? Like, uh before i mean just just the uh before i would honestly djing is a very very expensive hobby and i people always ask me if they want to get into it i always tell them okay you better be prepared to like spend a lot of money if <laughs> you know if you're if you're gonna well, depend. i mean it, it is and it isn't because you yeah. can go and get a 200 um you can get a cheap laptop and get a 200 controller and call yourself a dj yeah so, <laughs> that, that's true in, back in the day when it was vinyl and everyone wanted 1200s and 1200s at the time were like, you know, $400 for each turntable. Right. Yeah. And you, you taught on top of a mixer and this is like, you know, late eighties money. So it's like, and Inflation. I'm like, you know, I'm like, you know, 17 years old and I want to, you know, get, get myself some 1200s, you know, that's out of my pocket. That's out of, you know, I can't do that, you know, without my mom helping or without, you know, someone yeah. backing me up. So, it's the cost, the, the, the cost of entry to be a DJ back then mm. <coughs> was a lot different. Yeah. And yeah. it means that if, to me, at least it meant that you were dedicated to this yeah. because it's such a heavy investment. Now yeah. it, a guy could be a DJ for like 20 minutes and be done with it. And be like, yeah, eh. <laughs> I got, no, <clears throat> what I, you know, but, but you know what I got it. I'm not hating on the people that, um, don't use turntables or whatever, because uh, what I'm just saying is like nowadays, it's just so easy to call yourself a DJ right. well, before it was like a badge of honor. Like, you know what I mean? And I feel like it's like you had to, um, <clears throat> you had to earn kind of like the respect of other DJs and be in crews and to learn. And you know what, one of the things I, uh, I want to talk about is what, okay. So when I used to go watch your shows, man, <clears throat> I would basically, um, because I was always DJing Isla Vista parties in my fraternity already, you, you know what oh, I mean? Shit. So, so basically I was my fraternity's, uh, you know, DJ, uh, and you know, we would have huge house parties, you know? Yeah. Well, I mean, <laughs> IV is IV. Yeah. IV. It's, it's not going to change even though it toned down a little bit. Well, it's, it's dead right now. I mean, oh man. Crazy. I believe for the COVID stuff, right? I mean, oh, yeah. I mean there's, no, there's no one on campus. I mean, I go into campus every day, but there's no one there. <laughs> I see. Yes. Yeah, so, I mean, so basically, I, you know, I went from being a frat party DJ, basically, and I was just going to your shows because I no one really I felt like DJ culture back in the day. Oh, people were a lot more elitist, actually. <clears throat> you know, they're kind of like, um, uh, you know, you have to dedicate yourself <laughs> willing to to this craft. And you know what I found? I, I was around a lot of hip hop DJs and they looked down on me when I uh, started to get into electronic music. And nobody really, I didn't have that uh, friend to spin electronic music with. So I would go uh -huh. to these underground raves 
And I would just be like, all right, I got to figure out what the fuck these DJs are doing because I don't have these records. I don't know what they're doing. And I have to look at their hands <laughs> and just figure out like, okay, I know that song. Uh, what's the next song coming? Like, what is he doing? Because there wasn't YouTube videos explaining how to DJ. It was just kind of like, like it was just crowd control, man. And then, you know, people are fucked up on drugs in the audience. I'm like that nerd standing by the DJ, like, what is this guy doing over, <laughs> over right. here? You, you know what I mean? And I'm just saying, I, I always appreciated, uh, um, you know, your diversity in, <clears throat> you know, so it sucks that you, I feel like people have pigeoned you into like being a trance DJ back in the day, man. Cause well, I mean, and, that, and that's fine. You know, it was what I was doing at the time, but that allows me to be the person who controls my own destiny. Right. So it's like, so I, I decided not to play that style and I started, you know, losing the people that were into me, but eventually it can't turn itself around because I, I look at it, you know, an artist is, is going to do what they they love and sometimes it's not going to be a hit but at, when you look back at it so i just watched the um beastie boys movie mm. and I, I read the book and you know i was thinking i was talking to my boss about this today about you know 1989 when they came out with um paul's boutique and nobody it was no one liked it nobody liked that album it it, it bombed and but if you listen to it now it is like man they were doing something different like no one else you know like now it's a classic now it's like you listen to paul's boutique and it's like oh that's a, that's a classic at the time no one liked it but they because they were doing what they wanted to do what people's expectations were was we want license to ill part two you know <laughs> we want brass monkey part two you know, but what they did was gave you something so different that you first you pushed it away because it was so different. But if you take the time to appreciate the art, and you can't do that when you're, you know, you know, 15. You can't like, no, oh, wow, this is super artistic. No, you don't do that at 15. You <laughs> you're like, hear this is more. not the same. Right. I want the same product again. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> Hit me again. <laughs> yeah. So it's, you know, it's it, funny it takes because security. It takes time. It takes, you know, sometimes it takes, you need to step away from the situation for a while to, or to say, oh, I get what that guy was doing. That's cool. Yeah, you know what? You're talking about Beastie Boys. Um, I, I love them because they're, talk about artists, man. I mean, yeah, their roots absolutely. are actually punk, man. I mean, they were a punk they're, band. At they the looked beginning. at hip hop as punk. That was yeah. punk to them. And that's awesome because that's what it was. I mean, it was urban. It was... You underground know, from the streets it was you know a calling out it was punk music hip-hop is punk music in my opinion Def definitely period. you know what I, I i saw i actually it's so funny i had to block this guy because you know you on social media man there's just people that will like you're trying to post something positive and they'll just nitpick at oh, yeah. something. <laughs> and then anyways, you know so many things are like derivatives of in my opinion of punk like hip-hop and also electronic. Yeah, music. I saw what you posted earlier about Carl, where Carl Hyde. Yeah, um, yeah. No, you know what's so funny? Let me read the quote because it, it gives me chills when I think about it, man. It says, Rave was more punk than punk. 10,000 people in a warehouse making records in your bedroom, pirate radio. You can have a career entirely outside the conventional music business. Was an absolute outsider culture. <clears throat> yeah. yeah. Especially in the UK. I mean, especially where he was from because raving. Um, you know, if you look at it at the roots of 
So I'm this summer of love in, in, in the US, right? Yeah. Um, Woodstock, you know, hippie movement. So 1969 is considered the summer of love. 1988 is considered the summer of love in the UK. Mm. And if you Google it, it's true. <laughs> and the reason why is because that's when raving and ha acid house music started. And what was happening was a lot of these soccer hooligans would go to these parties and do a bunch of ecstasy. And all of a sudden, these soccer hooligans weren't fighting anymore. <laughs> this is called the second summer of love, just telling you guys. So if you look it up, right 19, 1988, summer of love, UK. Yeah, I've so it's 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 a whole thing and um second summer of love there you go yeah awesome yeah so so basically you know th this whole scene i mean you know if you don't it's an international scene just like the street art scene guys and that's what i love about it because <clears throat> it's intertwined forever the underground scene i mean if you're talking djs that were graffiti artists who used to tag i mean one off the top of my mind frankie bones you know basically the guy yeah. who invented the term rave okay you, you, know, <laughs> you know i mean you know these parties are called parties right i mean but there's a guy who actually coined the term rave i i believe storm rave or something like that because he was bringing it back from the uk and this guy used to be a, a you know he would tag bones you know so i always felt like i love these aspect of uh, underground cultures because at the end of the day man people need to let loose and party man and you know the oh, rave is one of these places that all these different cultures gathered together and uh, you know there's some unity on the dance floor it's all counterculture you know it's all um you know street art in a way um yeah. it's, all, it's all youth culture and luckily we're still old enough to be part of a youth culture which is you know bizarre um <laughs> you know, at, at 46 i'm still part of a youth culture what kind of shit is that but whatever <laughs> um hey uh, i was born well, i was born in 1969 okay not necessarily in the summer but i was born in march of 1969 so you know that's, <laughs> that's you know we're, we're what i love is just like this underground culture it's actually very accepting the counterculture you, you know what i mean and um, although there's a lot of like beef and misunderstanding a lot of times which any you know culture has i think like i mentioned you know uh you know there's always some unity on the dance floor but um you, you know you're mentioning theo go ahead about your, your journey, man. I, I'm sorry we keep on interrupting. Oh, no, no, no. We're, we're just talking. As, as the Hawaiians say, we're talking story. Uh, <laughs> I like that. Yeah, it's, uh, I, I still <laughs> love that term, talking story. It's a, it's a so, you know, you know, basically, like, one of the things, okay, let me, let me just reminisce with you on sure. uh, what, there's this one party, random party, you know, I was probably fucked up on something, but I remember you <laughs> DJing, man, you know, and then there's this, uh, uh, you know there's just this moment that you dropped this one track it was like party in the moonlight dance in the sunlight i can't actually oh, remember. yeah 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 i remember this <laughs> you, you know that song i can't remember yeah. the, who, who's, who does it right now yeah me but, neither you know the whole yeah, i do party, remember that song the whole party stopped man and then i just remember looking at you you're letting the song play out man and there's just this moment this vibe this party was right next to the freeway 
um, by the five freeway. So all the noise is being drowned out by the cars. I believe yeah. it's called the purple room or something like that, man. <clears throat> oh, yeah, yeah, the, yeah. Uh, you know, so I'm yeah. just saying there's all these great memories, man, of the underground culture. And I I'm just saying, like, it's so awesome because as a DJ, you, you're literally responsible for that moment, <laughs> like, you know, of those people's awesome times. And, you know, you've done from underground parties to massive, um, massive stadiums, man. The first EDC, I mean, you know, I know yeah. you were DJing those basically, yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah. I got a question for you, Theo. Um, yeah. During one of these raves, I mean, I'm sure there were some of them were busted up by uh, police or something like that. Yes. Were you ever incarcerated? Did you ever get thrown in jail? No, you know what the funny thing was? I was always responsible. So I, I was never, I didn't, you know, I never got into the drug part of the scene. I was really mornly about the music. So when the cops showed up, I was usually the person who was like going up to the cops and saying, you know, what, what, what can we do to fix this? Sometimes they give the DJ, actually often they give the DJ the ticket though, right? Yeah. I mean, because they have the sound system. Yeah, but usually because I have, I have LAPD as family, usually it would be, uh. like, it would be like, look, I, you know, I know why you're here, but what can we do? If we need to shut down, we'll shut down. But, you know, so I would try to be a, I, you know, usually there's a guy with the money in the back who doesn't want to deal with that shit. And usually <laughs> there's a bunch of other fucked up kids who don't want to deal with that shit. So usually it was me going out there and playing, you know, Papa Raver and, and trying to <laughs> handle this kind of situation. So luckily, um, no, I've never been incarcerated um, due to the rave scene or any other reason, thankfully. Um, and I've had my, you know. He's smarter than me, man. <laughs> I've had my car looked at, you know, you know, people suspecting drugs because I'm at a rave, that type of shit, you know. But yeah. I always respected uh like I said, I, I kind of feel like the, uh, oh, well, let me ask you, how do you, you know, the, there's a whole, I feel like since the nineties, man, there's literally been like three or four generations of DJ. <laughs> yeah, oh, definitely. You, you know what I mean? <clears throat> so, I mean, to me, I've always followed you on social media, man. I've always appreciated your diverse taste in music, man. So, um, you know, how has like the scene and the DJs, like some of them change? I mean, we talked a little bit about how the entry barrier is a lot lower now, you know what yeah. I mean? But, um, you know, in your view, like what's kind of changed in the scene? Has the plur gone away? <laughs> you know, no, I mean, I still believe, I firmly believe that, you know, when I described me going to my first rave and having that aha moment, um, I still feel there's kids who are gonna go out to their first party next year because it ain't shit happening this year. Um, <laughs> um, there's going to be yeah. a kid going out to their first party next year, going to EDC for the first time, going to whatever party it is, and absolutely falling in love and feeling the same exact thing I felt when I was 18. And as long as that still happens, that's amazing. So I did have an epiphany in 2018 at uh, EDC. Awesome. So I was on um, one of the VIP stages overlooking the main area, and it was uh, like Mike and Dimitri Vegas were playing. Okay. And, um, it was the most horrible music. I mean, it was absolutely <laughs> horrid. And I wasn't about to say anything, but yeah, no, I know, I know. No, there, I mean, I like, I don't. That's not the point. The point is like, bad, that's bad music. I just, I don't care for it. But I saw all of these people just 
losing their minds on it, having the best time of their lives. And here I am like, oh, this music sucks. Why would you be liking that? And I didn't want to be that person. I didn't want to be the get off my lawn dude. You know? <laughs> I love that, man. Yeah, I don't want, I, if that's what you love, if that's what you're into, enjoy the fuck out of it. <laughs> Who am I to tell you that, you know, my, what, what, what I did back in the day was so much better than this. It was, but I, I mean, I don't, I'm not gonna tell, <laughs> it's not my point. You know, I was there, you weren't. What I, what I think kind of like is going on in the uh, electronic and also in the hip hop phase actually is, you know how in the 70s, a lot of people, rock and roll became from a uh, genre that was kind of like, uh, these uh, rugged kids are doing it. And it became like a cultural phenomenon, you, you know? And then so like what happened is that it's kind of, rave culture is kind of going through a similar thing right now where, um, you know, now it's the mainstream. Everybody knows about raving and DJs and things like that. So it's kind of like uh, a, a lot, there was a lot of bad bands in the 80s that were trying to do the rock and roll thing that were just getting dressed up, you know what I mean? So the, uh, the, there's like a lot of like diversity in the scene now. I mean, you can still find like, so I just always feel like this uh, kind of change in the artistry where people are just looking for like what's selling instead of like following true artists and their journey anymore, you know what I mean? Well, that, I mean, that's most people. Um... Everyone, uh, you know, is looking for, for, you know, instant gratification. It's not about seeing someone's artistic journey. It's never, and that hasn't been the case in a long, long time. Yeah. It's, it's always been about instant gratification. Um, so that doesn't bother me per se, because that to me actually is what separates the people who are into it versus the people that are into it for now. Definitely. Yeah. yeah. So, and those people aren't going to be into it, you know, two years from now, five years from now, 10 years from now. They're not lifers. They're going to be, <laughs> oh, this is really cool for the next five months, you know, and that, 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 or the next five years, but they're not lifers. They're not, they're going to get married. They're going to have kids. They're going to, something else is going to replace this in their lives. I'm married. I love I don't that. Have you kids, that and nothing is replacing my love for music. <laughs> I, you know, I'm on the same Amen page. That. I'm on the same page of you at yeah. that, you know. And you know, one of the things about the street art scene <laughs> too, uh, yeah, I, I actually uh, I, I'm married to music actually because I made the decision a few years ago that I'm going to dedicate my life to this. Teach has seen this transition actually, um, you know, from me not taking it seriously to dodging hey, a missile. I'm going to uh, <laughs> take take this real seriously, you know. But you know, like, whoa. <laughs> But what I was saying is that what's cool is, you know, teach in the street art scene. I, I think you, you know, you see some people. Um, I love it because there's these artists that put out, they, they call it single serve street art, basically. Um, you know, Cult 33, they have this piece. You know, it's like, hey, you just get your like little single serve and then you're done. You know, people dabble. So I totally know what you mean inside any art. You need to dedicate your life in order to. And I'm not, I'm not saying you can't have I was just I was just agreeing with them when, you know, it's it's. The, the same thing with when it comes to, to street art as it is with, you know, with being a DJ, you know, there's going to be people that come and go. Um, but the, the lifers, you know, the, the 
people that are that are truly true artists in in both the you know the street art and in the music business the ones that are truly the artists are the lifers you know what i mean we're always going to be producing we're always going to be producing something right. you know it may not be the greatest thing it may not be what you know people think no, we're going to do or whatever nobody may ever see it yeah that's true <laughs> exactly because it, it, really you know there's so much music i've done you know i, I also produce like ambient music and down tempo and cello stuff i don't do that for anyone but me you know and it's not it's meant for dance floor it's not meant for for anyone other than me and if someone happens to dig it great but I, honestly i don't care if you like it or not i don't care if you hear it or not it's not meant for that it's for yeah. me to release something there you yourself. go that helps that helps you keep the balance you know what i mean that's yeah. that's what makes uh, a lot of the the great artists great is the the balance that they have in whatever it is that they're doing and what they continue to do you yeah. know they, they they've figured out that balance that keeps them productive yeah exactly exactly so, so Theo, I want to ask you just to come full circle. I mean, sure. um, do you know, uh, I mean, what is your experience with street art and stuff like that? I mean, you know, uh, obviously you talked about a few galleries you bought tickets at, right? You know, back in the day on Melrose, you know. Hold on. Stop. <laughs> Theo? Yeah. Have you ever picked up a spray can and, and sprayed a tag or something? I have not. But Me neither. I Me neither. <laughs> I used to work at Groove Riders over in and uh, been off of uh, Van Nuys, off of Ventura and Van Nuys, and uh, we used to sell graffiti products there. So oh. and, yeah, so people would come in and buy caps and do all that stuff. And nice, so, nice. I mean, it's I'm very twined. I'm very familiar with, with the culture. Um, you know, Mayor One used to come by the shop, and you know. Okay. Yeah. Nice. That's one of the best right there. That's, yeah, uh, and, like and, and he's you know friends with a lot of the rave scene. You know, his, his oh yeah, has been featured on a lot of our flyers. Um, Raymond Roker, who started Herb Magazine, was a graffiti artist. Um, I don't know his tag name. Um, I probably wouldn't know it. I'm I'm not that old with the old school, but I do know Mirror One. He is like one of the Michelangelo's of uh, yeah. of street art or graffiti graffiti art. Uh, just as murals are, you know, they're like paintings, and he does it with the with the spray can. Um, but so during that time that you, you sold those graffiti products, just never uh, never had to. Well, your friend know, said, "Hey, come I, on, we're going to go to the bridge tonight. You want to be a part <laughs> of the game?" I am very aware of where my abilities lie and where they don't. <laughs> um, I've never been visually artistic. I, I can't draw circles straight. You know, that's I'm just, I'm not inclined that way. Um, I'm inclined to, I, I write. Um, so I write poetry and I write, you know, so that's oh, part that's of amazing. what I've, I've, and I've always been involved in music, always been involved. I, I, before I even got into the rave scene, I was actually going to study music and try to become an opera singer. Oh, that was, oh, wow. yeah, that, that's where my path was. And then rave screwed that all up. <laughs> um so yeah i mean to me um uh, i i love street art i i've always there's the difference between you know tagging and graffiti right you know it's just like are you to me anything that you do artistically are you adding or are you taking away 
It's a good way of that. looking at it. I like that. Yeah. It feels for you something. know what? Yeah, I mean, if, 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 <laughs> so if you like, if you're, you know, see a blank wall, a canvas, and you're adding something and you're brightening up the neighborhood and you're providing something that's visually, you know, aesthetically pleasing. Absolutely. I mean, and some yeah. people are still going to call it blight, but, you know, it's not, it's, it's art. It's yeah. just that the medium happens to be a wall in the hood. And, yeah. and you know, so... But there's also the other side of that is where are you taking away? Are you actually, you know, ruining someone's property? Are you, you know, um, making things, you know, uglier? You know, and that, that's, that's why, you know, if, if you want to be creative, then be creative, but, but give something. Like you said, you went to Hawaii to give something, right? Yeah. Because so many people take away. And that's yeah. very true. That's very, very true of Hawaiian culture. That's why people don't like Howie's. You know, it's like uh, <laughs> mainlanders. Yeah, because yeah, I mean, the reason I got hired, like I told you, was because of, I look, I can pass. <laughs> I, my boss went up to my team, and before I got there, and she told him, "Oh, you're gonna like him. He's like you guys." And they're all Hawaiian. <laughs> racist. That's racist right there. Oh my goodness. You know, <laughs> See, my, I, my wife is white, and she had trouble finding work there. Oh, oh I bet. Yeah, yeah. I and bet, man. Yeah, it's 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 not easy. Uh, for some reason, I just I you know I I could pass for local. I can just speak pigeon really quick, and everyone's cool. And like my when my, my um, one of my guys came up to me, and my first day, and he introduced himself, and he was speaking very proper and it's just like brother you don't have to talk like that huh <laughs> yeah you don't, you don't have to talk like that shoots bro i'm like yeah shoots. <laughs> yeah oh, hold on a second yeah, you know what? I always love. I didn't know you're a poet, man. But you know what? I always love. And now I obviously see you have a knack for words, man. It's like I remember one thing that always stuck out to me, bro. Shoot, like, bro. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> love it. That's the uh, Clark, Clark Little Hat, basically, right? Yeah. So, so Eddie Aiku, um, if you go to Hawaii, you'll see stickers that say Eddie will go, and that's always because he would he would be the guy to just do it. No no questions asked. He would do it. Amazing. That, that's man. the kind of person he is. Amazing. That's Before we go, I have something culture. to show you. We still got Theo's bag too, so we're gonna go overtime, man. <laughs> While teacher's gone, one of the things I always remember on your flyers or posts or whatever yes. you have was open ears equals open minds, basically. That's correct. You know, I, mean, I, I fucking love that, man. And it just, it, for me, it like, you, you know, because Plur kind of became this. If you don't know audience, uh, Plur is peace, love, unity, respect. It's like a raver kind of like. Uh, oh, that's beautiful. Teach, that's awesome, dude. We're looking at a couple well, stencils of. Uh, this is uh, Clyde. Yeah. Right and uh, actually, the, uh, <clears throat> the lifeguard stand right there kind of hit it. Oh, um, and his hair. That's awesome. Why, uh, man? And then, of course, what you were saying. Uh, Yep, Eddie will go. <laughs> Dude, th th that couldn't have worked out better. 
<laughs> are you are you are you stenciling that around town? <clears throat> I'm gonna um, I'm gonna find a spot um, probably down by the water or something like that, um, and uh, maybe Santa Monica or uh, maybe uh, I don't know maybe Zoom well, or something you come like up, that. If huh? you come up to Santa Barbara, dude, please, that'd be awesome. You know, the one thing I found is you know coming from Hawaii to Santa Barbara, it's been an easy transition because mm. surf culture on the water people are yeah. friendly um yeah there's very much a, a kind of hawaiian vibe here i have an affinity yeah. for santa barbara because i went to college there and then um, obviously i mentioned i was a fraternity djs there but uh you know life pace of life there is really slow it, though it's laid back. It's <laughs> yeah laid back. it's it's crazy different from la because you know in la i mean not now there's no traffic now but Anywhere you want to go in LA, you got to plan like an hour in advance. But in Santa Barbara, I mean, everything's like 20 minutes away. So, so it's like yeah. automatically have 40 minutes extra each way in a day. You, you know what I mean? So, <laughs> for us coming here and, you know, this opportunity at UCSB to, to, kind of the dream come true because we get to be in California. We're only 90 miles from LA. Um, we're close to family now, and but yet we're still living on the beach. Which all the celebrities of, live, all the really wealthy celebrities like Oprah, you know, Michael Jackson used to live <laughs> live around the corner there too, you, you know what I mean? So, um, hey, so I want to get to our <clears throat> our segment, basically. Uh, uh, it was actually by uh, recommended by uh, one of our previous guests, Vile One. Shout out, he's a legendary artist. He was basically saying that with the Zoom conference, uh, we're able to have a video thing well, before yeah. we did mainly the audio. So um, <clears throat> actually, it kind of like a, is symbolic today because Amoeba Records, the legendary location, <sighs> shut yeah. down, basically. Yeah. I mean, I've been there so many times. Uh, yeah, yeah, they're, they're, they're moving. They're not shutting down permanently, but they can't afford that location anymore. Well, no, they were going to ready. That, that was already in plants. Oh, so, okay, okay. So okay. they were actually going to have to move from that location regardless. Oh, okay, what they're saying okay. now is they may be closing down for good. Oh no! Oh yeah! No! Jesus! Well, oh, I mean, man. that that sucks. Uh, well, it wouldn't be the first time one of my favorite record stores uh, closed down. You know, yeah, the same with Tower Records when I was, you know, when that happened. Yeah, yeah. You know, I I I, I always say on this podcast. I remember back in the day, I would go to Ontario Mills, and uh, and then I would go to the uh, Virgin Mega Store, which had oh, yeah, tons yeah. of CDs, and I would just camp out by that machine that scanned the barcode that you can listen to all the samples <laughs> you know what i mean like that that was that was me as a kid but um anyways let me get to my our segment basically is uh um uh what's in your bag basically we want to kind of ask you um since we have you on visual to kind of let us know what uh maybe some albums vinyls or art that's inspired you um you know anything in your studio man like a what's in your studio so, thing so you know, like I said, I just moved to um, from Hawaii to Santa Barbara, and we really just got our stuff two weeks ago because that takes you know the, the ship and pods. Yeah. So we were we got here March first, but our stuff didn't get here until April eleventh. I see. So it was you know it's limited right now, a little bit. What you have setting up the studio. So I we live in a two bedroom, two bath in uh, Goleta. And so I'm right by campus. So I'm only two, less than two miles from, from the campus. Nice. Um, so 
one thing I just picked up recently um, was the new controller. And this is. My I should have told you to do the iPhone. Oh, nice. Oh, wow. And that's all connected, right? Yeah. So basically, this is the, the new XDJ um, XZ. So what this is, is a four channel controller that can play standalone. So it could just use the USB or you could hook it up like it's a controller. And what I've done is also utilize a sampler, which is this, the DJS uh, 1000 that plugs into it. So I'm, that's part of what, what we talked about as far as the hybrid DJing is yeah, not just utilizing the tracks, but also adding to the tracks as well. Yeah. And uh, this is the rest of the studio still setting things up. Can I ask you? Wow. You got so many synthesizers that that's awesome, man. Yeah, I used to have a lot more before I moved to Hawaii, but yeah. <laughs> now, um, let, me, wow. let me ask you that one uh, deck that you have, is it running Serato or is it running Rekordbox? Or Rekordbox. Apple? Okay, hey, awesome. That one, the neat, unique thing about this one is it can do either one. Oh, sweet, sweet. Yeah, I have a, um, one of the Pioneer. I love Pioneer. The, um, you know, their products are amazing. I have the four channel that you plug into the laptop that, Oh, the DDJ, the yeah, D the DDJ two. I mean, I have my Pioneer CDJ two thousand yeah. or whatever. You know, I had the DDJ one thousand, and I it's a great controller. And um, if if you don't mind being on a computer, it's great. The mm. one thing I didn't like about it is it didn't have the DJ link um, that allows you to connect other gear to it. Yeah, or syncing. Um, so I had the DJS one thousand, and I couldn't sync to it. So. That's one of the main reasons I picked up the this new one. Yeah, like I said, man, DJing is a if you want want to. Some people are in it to, uh, you know, for just for the hardware too. They love this is like a nerd culture thing too. Oh, definitely. Like, you know what I mean? So there's so many, you know, just like street art, man. There's some vandals. There's some guys that are put muralists. There's so many different aspects of the, these cultures. It's like, you know, some people are into it for vinyl collecting and. You know, they're all about uh, just collecting rare vinyls that you can, you know, white labels, we call it basically, too. So, yeah. you know, it, it's amazing, this underground culture, man. And, you know, it's come up on an hour, so we don't want to take up uh, too much of your time, man. But, uh, you know, it's been it's been awesome talking to you, man. And um, I, I kind of want to invite you on the yeah, show. Well, hey, again. Anytime. Anytime. And Please, you know, I'm down. I mean, it's been nice talking to both of you. And Leo, gonna... thank you so much for being on. I'm going to make you an offer uh, since I know you're a fan and knowledgeable of the iCals. Um, I'll do a, a print of this on uh, paper, and I'm going to be up your way probably within the next month or so. I'm going to be delivering some artwork up there, and um, I'll come drop it off at your place. Yeah, I would love you to do. You're just do looking you for a... some art for your place, too. I saw. Actually, yeah, I am. Uh, so um, if if there you have like a gallery of stuff that you, you have for sale, you know, please uh, link up with me. I'd love to see what you what you have. Awesome. And you know you know what, man. Um, one of the things is like we're also gonna when this whole thing blows over. I'm so happy we barely talked about COVID on on this episode. You know, it seems like that's all people <laughs> can talk about these days. So <clears throat> when we're when this whole thing is over, we're gonna have like a, a sticker meetups, man. You know that you know basically it's like a party. Um, and you know, I'm gonna DJ. I would love to invite you to DJ Please. some of these parties too. Look, I'm I'm ready to socialize. Yeah, I'm, I've been cooped up. Um, so you know, if, if something's happening, let me know. Awesome, man. Yeah, you, you know, like I said, we're 
you know, I love connecting the bridging these uh, communities, man. So like, where can we find you, man? Um, you know, if somebody wants to reach out to you, uh, listen to your mixtapes, man. If you want to, you can go to my SoundCloud, soundcloud.com slash Theo, T-H-E-E dash O. And I got all of my you know, stuff going all the way back to like 92 on there. Amazing, um, man. Amazing. Just go and, to my website, djtheo.com. And um, we've got blogs and videos and all kinds of shit. So, yeah. Yeah, and your, <laughs> and your Instagram is Theo, just T-H-E-E-O. Yeah. basically and then uh, i will be starting to live stream i just got into it like a few days ago just because i amazing set up we're, so we're uh, awesome. my idea is i'm gonna be on twitch at least i may go on you know try to restream and do a bunch of different <clears> platforms well you know we have uh, our la street art gallery um youtube page what we're doing is ha we're having an artist that does a tape mural and he's mm -hmm. doing the tape uh, mural live and then we're going to be having a soundtrack of different DJs and we're going to be broadcasting it on our YouTube channel. I think you actually, you know, you need a certain amount of followers in order to broadcast live on YouTube. And we would love to beam you in, man, once we get all the kinks. Yeah, so, yeah. You know, to pair you up with an artist that you can do a soundtrack for yeah. while they're working or something Absolutely. like that. I think this would be a cool collab between the two communities, man. Right on. No, yeah, I mean, I, I love good art. My wife is into uh, Audrey Kawasaki. Mm. Oh. yeah so we're a big beautiful big, stuff or her we love her stuff um she has she was she was in palo and in, in honolulu and she has a, a mural there in uh, kakawako it's, it's stunning um but yeah i mean we're huge fans of her work our bedroom that has just tons of her prints and um so yeah we, we we just i love good art i love you know the garage gallery um was a place we used to de uh, dj quite a few times out to the garage gallery yeah oh yeah axis axis is uh yes great guy oh, awesome so, yeah. man so i just i want to be a part of this so you know if uh you got something good going on and i can be a part of it just let me know awesome, awesome. and yeah i'm gonna need your help uh uh getting some other de legendary djs man because i would love to talk to them man and sure. uh, you, no you know it'd be a great to join forces uh, as i always say you know so Absolutely. again man follow dj theo uh you know djtheo.com uh leave us a review on itunes if you uh or you know wherever you listen to our podcast basically um yeah we appreciate you guys thank you again theo for coming on man thank wow. you brother appreciate thank it you. Man. thank you very much take care guys take Peace. care